Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to today's Irish Tech News Podcast. Today I'm talking with Russ Barker from Veritiv. How are you doing, Russ? Hey, hi, Ronan. Now, uh, tell us a bit about uh, what, Ver- what Veritiv does. Yeah, so Vertiv, we design, manufacture, and maintain critical infrastructure for data centers. So for us, that could mean anything from a three megawatt uninterruptible power supply as a standard block, all the way down to rack level UPS, rack PDUs, the racks themselves, the cooling technologies around data centers data center infrastructure management. Um, We also have a business in Croatia that actually builds modular data centers, Mm -hmm. uh, so that, you know, the actual shell of the data centers and power modules for data centers. So really anything that's in a data center, Vertiv manufacture and maintain, we we operate out of Rosemount uh, Business Park. We have a team of 20 service engineers all within one hour of Dublin yeah. uh, looking after those clients um, for call-outs, maintenance, uh, emergencies. Uh, yeah, so that's that's what we do. And I guess over the years the technology has changed and it got smaller and smaller. Certainly the UP, I mean, if you if you went back to, I used to have a very interesting picture of a, an old colleague who, who's long retired, stood next to a 20 kVA UPS in, in some flares, and the UPS was about 8 foot tall yeah. by about 6 foot wide for a 20 kVA UPS. I mean, the size of the kit in terms of footprint and how much the power side has shrunk, in, even in the sort of 20 years that I've been in the business is... It's pretty remarkable, really. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. And I guess when you talk about him wearing flares, that tells you how old it is. Exactly. Well, some of us are still wearing them, Robert, yeah. but yes. Yeah, but I can imagine then, back then, the, uh, the amount of data you could store wasn't what you can store today. It was a lot less and also a lot slower to store it as well. Yeah, I mean, I guess that um, computing power itself, right, with the data center industry has changed, but come. Notwithstanding the infrastructure side, you'll know as well as me, computing power itself is is just been on an exponential growth yeah. for for years through through Moore's law. I mean, I was looking at some uh, I was looking at some data related to power consumption in in, in data centres, but sort of from 2010, if we took a, a, a the amount of internet traffic we can process per unit of power, it's already ten times from. 2010. Now, some of that is efficiencies in data center infrastructure, but a lot of that is, is just increasing computer processing speed, you know, for the yeah. same footprint. I think if you think back to when man landed on the moon, the computers they used then and what you're using now, what we use now is more powerful and a lot smaller and takes up less footprint in the building. Yeah, I mean, they'd have, if you could give the moon landers an iPhone right, they'd probably have more computing power in the iPhone than they did at the time. Yeah, because remember in the late 80s, Samsung, no, so it was an old lab, had a car, 9000 Carlson. It was a, especially some sporty rally car that they, they, they had, and they had on the tagline and the advertising that the truck computer in the car was more powerful than the one that landed on the moon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and look where we're going now with cars, right? You did yeah. your podcast on the on on smart cars and driverless cars. It's the future will be here sooner than we think. I think in that respect, it's uh, it, it's definitely coming, isn't it? Yeah, I think soon when we get to Mars, we'll have, we'll have a car. There's more computing power than the computers that landed men on Mars as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think so. I yeah. think so, yeah. It's changing. I mean, I've, I've looked at it over the years. Well, I remember my first computer had 8K memory. Uh-huh. Common Vic 20, going back your 8K memory. I've, I've still got it as well. And then right. you, can, you can buy like a 16K or 32K expansion for RAM packs put in the back. And that was cutting edge. But looking back now, yeah. it's not really, but it was then. Well, I remember being delighted when I got my first ZX81, right, with yeah. the little rubber keys on. That sort of late, about the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. I remember um, them. And, you know, my, my kids now, I take away the iPad from my kids for, for half an hour. Yeah. They're, they're struggling, struggling to know what to do, right? Yeah, I can remember that. And then remember when I was in school in the UK, I was in school in Scotland, and on our, our, our school, we, we use Spectrums to, uh, for computing. And I was in there one day in class, the uh, second day I was, it was in that class, and I got bored, and the teacher was looking at me and said, oh, this is boring. He says, why? He says, that computer you got there is 48K. I've got it at home on Tari ST. It's got one megabyte memory, and it's 16 bit. It's also got built-in MIDI ports as well. It says, well, what I'm learning here is Stone Age. Have you got anything more, anything more modern we can use? Because yeah. I, I, I just don't find this that invigorates me or gets me going, because it's... Just the keyboard itself, and then the little mini floppy disk you had as well. The hardest drive was about that size. Tiny thing, it didn't work to us. I missed your floppy disk, the three and a half K floppy disk, and I'm getting what I'm getting here is isn't great. And then so also I'm using the GUI interface at home. I'm not typing anymore, and they didn't get that. Mm-hmm. No, but I mean it's, it's been great. If you look at what, if you look at the the impact on Ireland. Um, just, just you know, from sort of 2008-2009 when the real, to me, the real explosion in, in data centers started, you, yeah. you can see that data really driving, driving that growth. Um, like I remember, I remember being in Grange Castle in 2008, I was yeah. a project manager at the time, and I was stood on top of one of the, well it would have been the first sort of what I'll call a hyperscale data center yeah. in Grange Castle. I'm stood there on the rain in a t-shirt in my high-vis vest trying to pull UPS in off the building from, from a crane. And I could stand on there and look around Grange Castle and there was, the Pfizer was there and there yeah. were a few other buildings there, but it were pretty much fields, right? Yeah. Pretty much fields. Uh, and I go back there now, I can't, I can't see anything but data centers, right? Yeah, and I think it's, it's when Apple introduced the App Store, that's where we exploded, because then you, got, you had mobile device with different apps they can pull yeah. data from the cloud. And before that, you couldn't do that on a mobile device, really. You couldn't be pulled from the cloud. But now and again, you got a web page that was designed as a, as a web app, a mobile app. But that's about it. But when you could actually install the app onto your computer properly, that's when it changed. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's just, it, the, the sort of increase has been startling. I mean, when I, when I stood there and the guys told me what was being planned, it was from... Because it was a paradigm shift from what yeah. we were used to seeing in the UK, it was hard to actually believe when you'd say, well, this is where we are today, but in two years we're going to have X megawatts and X. But it's yeah. quite hard to believe at the time. But everything everything that anyone planned there came true. You know, we really did get that great increase in growth. And what was, what was good for us is because we were dealing with those hyperscalers day one, we were yeah. able to keep servicing their needs. We're very fortunate to keep working with those companies through the last 10 years and, and um, sort of leverage, leverage that to, have a, to grow a really good service business off the back of it to be able to service those clients at the same time, you know, and then run such a, such a large team of specified engineers is, 
it's been really good, really good for us, and hopefully really good for the clients. Yeah. We've been very fortunate. Ten years ago, if you were a user of your products, the users will be using a laptop. Now they're using a, a tablet. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, honestly, hands up, I have my work laptop and I have yeah. an iPhone 6. I don't actually have my own home PC anymore because yeah. I have no need for it, right? You have yeah. no need for it. And like you say, everything that I'm doing on the iPhone is going through the cloud. Yeah. It, it, it's all going through the cloud. Because so. <clears throat> I can remember when tablets came out at the time, Apple said, it's going to help kind of replace the uh, laptop. And if you're a sales guy, can't run laptop all the time and charging up wasn't great. And to get a good laptop that doesn't actually require... And much charging, they weren't that cheap. Whereas an iPad, you got it, it could last you basically a full day in a charge, you were good to go. And also, yeah. it was easy to carry as well, lightweight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, cha it's, cha it's changed an awful lot, hasn't it? You yeah. Know, I remember my first old Nokia phones with the, you know, the huge battery block on the end of it. And oh, yeah, I remember. It's, uh, yeah, we've, we've lived through it. We've lived through interesting times, I'd say, for, for people of a certain age, for sure. Yeah, and a certain, when I was growing up, I can remember certain mobile phone manufacturers had phones like Motorola, we should be the kings of phones, then it was Nokia, and then Sony, and suddenly those names aren't really relevant anymore because they, they didn't have, didn't manage to actually catch up with walking with smartphones until it was too late. Yeah, yeah, no, you've, I mean, that, uh, but that's that's the key, right? Yeah. Technology is a funny thing. You have to keep up with it. If you don't, if you're not seeing what's going to be needed in two years, then you're gonna you're gonna struggle in two years, you know. Um, so we're always trying to look at what the next key is going to be, trying to be agile enough to make sure that we have the product that will be needed in two years, rather than just the product that's needed today. Because otherwise, you go the way of the Nokia's. You know, it was yeah. it was a global business that very quickly. You know, was just just planted. So uh, yeah, you've always got to be looking ahead and be agile for it for sure. sure. I can see you there with your crystal ball, looking for the next three years. What's what's coming up, and then you you can plan for that, and prepare for the future. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, like in you know, the challenges at the moment in Ireland for for, yeah. for data centers have been a lot around power availability. Yeah. Our power availability from the network, so actually getting the power into the sites because you've had such a huge explosion. So certainly the clients are planning very far ahead to get those contracts in with the networks. But because, um, I mean, what's being pushed quite rightly at the moment in Ireland is, is making the grid more renewable in any case, right? So yeah. you'll know that you're pushing an awful lot on wind power. Uh, and even down to the fact of you have hyperscalers building wind farms in Ireland now, you know, you'll have yeah. seen that in the news, the, these guys are making that step themselves to invest in that in that green economy, so that's fantastic, but it presents other problems or opportunities for supporting that network, because once you move over to a more renewable grid, one of the implications is it becomes less fault tolerant, you have less inertia in the grid, so whereas previously you have large turbines running, if there's a fault, there's some inertia in the system, you can bring other turbines up. If you're moving over to renewables and wind farms, it's less tolerant to faults, um, so you have to start thinking about frequency response and demand response to, to provide the correct frequency for the network and data centers can provide that as well from a demand side so in ireland at the moment you have the ds3 uh, program running yep. for demand side response you know for, for very quick response to to uh frequency events and the good news is really that whilst you can invest 
from a CapEx perspective to provide those services as a standalone system. Actually, UPS in data centers can provide that without any additional expense on CapEx. Yeah. So you have sort of a very large installed base of power converters that have the ability to do that already. Um, so as that renewable grid rolls out, you will start hearing more and more about the, the sort of grid support side from data centers. Yeah. Because it can have a huge part to play in supporting that renewable grid that, that the companies want for very little capex, you know, yeah. which is which is going to be a real win for, for everyone in Ireland, I think. And certainly that's something that, that Vertiv are looking closely at at the moment. Yeah, what about solar power? Could that be of use as well? If it's solar power, again, solar power, could that be of use as well? Solar power. Um, it can be used, but if you think about the density and the power you get out of solar power compared to a typical data center footprint and the energy use of a, of a data center, um, wind power makes makes more sense as, yeah. as, a, as a renewable source. I mean, certainly. Well, let, let's phrase this a different way, Ronan. What does Ireland have more of, wind or sun? Wind at the moment, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm just... Yeah, the, same, the same as the UK and most of Northern yeah, Europe. Yeah, I'm thinking of so. Elon Musk, what he's got, what is, but it, when he has his power packers, that, that can uh, help run certain things. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, so. potential. I mean, what you do see um, sort of nodes for telecoms are being built now where, where rather than taking power from the grid, you can have a node there that has a, a wind turbine, but it yeah. also has solar, and yeah. it charges a storage battery, and it runs from there. So that sort of combined solution yeah. can work very well in, in locations where where data now needs to get to. And, and you know, if we go back to the um, driverless car example, now clearly what we have at the moment in Ireland is an awful lot of large data centers, yeah. you know. One of the things that's going to have to happen is that's going to have to, whilst the large data centers will still be there, that data starts to need to move out and get closer to the user. Yeah. Because if you're talking about driverless cars, you can't have any latency between that car and, and the, the system running it. Yeah. So you're going to need an awful lot more um, edge sites that are closer to, to data users. Yeah. So as you do that, the model of the, the data center that you see now does need to change and develop a little bit. Um, and if you're thinking about going across the country and needing, needing no latency all the way down the M3, then you're going to need an awful lot of points down there that need to to provide that connectivity. Yeah. Um, so for there, yeah, I mean, if you can if you can do that as a separate standalone unit with wind power, solar, then fantastic. Yes. Um, it certainly makes it easier to deploy so and maintain. In the long term, the bigger data center will be used for uh, backup as such, and it's, uh, uh, to backup data and the smaller ones. Uh, are going to be used basically so no latency. So you have in a town a small data center that's used for, for no latency, and then if anything goes wrong, you kick into the to the main big one elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. I mean, um, with with the Internet of Things, has put so many more devices and, and so much more uh, demand, and you know everyone comes to comes to rely on data more than they ever thought, yeah. um, and more than they ever realised in a lot of ways. Right? I mean, I. My, my kids ask me what I do for a living, and the best way to try and explain to them, if I, I can get their eyes off YouTube for a moment, is to say, I help people provide YouTube, and then try, try to explain that to them. But it's constant, you know, the, the, um, the, the, the use of data is constant. It's, it's, you know, some people have suggested it's a new oil, and I think it's a, 
it's a valid sort of uh, argument. Everything depends on, on data now. Um, without data, everything sort of grinds to a halt, you know. Yeah. So even to the point in when we saw COVID-19 and obviously um, we, we go into lockdown, but it was really interesting to see that um, the data sector industry was classed as a critical industry, yeah. you know, because it's 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 providing all the services to the guys trying to find cures. It's providing all the, the backup for the, for the hospital data. Um, so it was a critical industry. So for our part during, during lockdown, whilst I wouldn't travel, we still had our 20 engineers out on the road, still going in and servicing equipment, still reacting to call outs because it is that critical to, to have that, that, that data running. So, yeah. Sorry. So you're going to call cloud busters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we didn't get them the new vans at this point, but we are considering it, Ronan, yeah. Because yeah, I'm just seeing that, for example, that's going to be a, an issue because you can say, what you do? Well, I'm a cloud bus, so I help make the cloud work properly. Yeah, yeah. And I guess yeah. uh, with COVID the way it is, that makes it tougher as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, we certainly saw some construction projects um, slow down and go on hold for sure but um they're sort of back up and running now and uh, everyone's everyone's just put socially yeah social distancing measures in and, and those projects are now back up and running again and as i said really from a from a function of of um the data centers running clearly it had no impact because yeah. the data centers the data centers continue to run the staff in the data centers continue to go in if they need to um, I think what's changed a little bit is outside of the actual data center operation, so the piece of, you know, my engineers, the guys working in, yeah. the, in the data centers, for people like myself and for people that are designing data centers, there is a huge re-evaluation of, of how we will live our lives, right? Yeah. Because we're used to just traveling into an office and, you know, maybe there's folks coming into Dublin, commuting an hour and a half every day into Dublin and commuting back out again. Um, and this is probably making people stop quite a lot and think, well, actually, is that necessary? You know, yeah. not only on a personal level, but from a company perspective. And I think it, it will be interesting to see on the back end of it how what work looks like for people that don't need to be in a specific place, which for those providers is great as well, because that's just going to drive more data, right? It's going to yeah. drive more calls like this we're on now. Uh, you know, it's it's just going just gonna to increase that growth, but lower travel, lower commuting, lower road traffic, it, uh, there's a lot of wins on that, I think. And also, I remember about four years ago, I visited a data center in Dublin, just opened up, when I was in there, I didn't see many staff on the, on the, on the ground room floor, which meant that in this we're facing now, you can work in there without being near, too, too near any of your colleagues, which is great. Yeah, 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 there's not, I mean, they're not, once they're built and running, they're not the most labor-intensive yeah you know, uh, industry to be working in. So, yeah, it's entirely, it's entirely possible to, to keep those data centers up and, and keep socially distancing on that. And it's critical that they remain up, you know, which is why those guys are still operating it and it's why we operated through through lockdown. It really is critical to the economy and it was critical to the to the fight to try and find, you know, a, a, any any sort of solution to the problem that we're presented with. Yeah, but you're lucky you're in a workplace that never is too crowded, so you can easily practice three meters or whatever it is, distance-wise, yeah. so that won't be an issue. Whereas other other areas of uh, IT, that doesn't happen. Like, I've got a friend who works in a hospital, and he's part of tech support, 
And in that kind of place, it's harder to, to uh, maintain distance, whereas with you guys, it's easier. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. The floor, you know, the rooms are pretty big. The, you know, there's not so many people in them, as you say. So socially distancing for us in, in a data center is, is pretty pretty easy to accomplish, yeah. Yeah, and also because of the way the rooms are designed, there's very less chance of, of anything spreading around like an endless or anything else because they're pressurized rooms at a certain temperature. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's always an exchange of air in there as well, so, yeah. yeah. And, and they, they're, you know, they're pretty secure places, right? It's yeah. not like a lot of people are walking around those those rooms. If you're in those rooms, you've got a good reason to be in those rooms, so yeah. they're not heavily populated at any point. It's it's, it's an easy-to-manage place, so it's, it's uh, yeah, it's quite quite good for that, yeah. I remember when I went to visit one four or so years ago, <clears throat> I couldn't find it because it w there was no marking saying where it was. Middle of nowhere, and how did you say? I'm thinking, I was, I, I was asking the cab driver, so I'm not sure where it is. I had to link someone, excuse me, where am I going? I'm not exactly sure where we're going because no signs anywhere. And I can see why, yeah. because if there was a sign there, then that's going to let someone know this is where you can do damage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it's not unusual that you would see nothing. I mean, the way to know if you've got a big data center there, Ronan, is if yeah. you've got a 10 foot metal fence all the way around it and no sign. That should tell you if it's a data center, right? Yeah, I've seen one in America that's run by Apple. It's about a 10 kilometer play, middle of nowhere, armed yeah. guards all around it. And then the only reason yeah. why you know, you know data center is because of the armed guards. Otherwise, you wouldn't have an idea. Yeah, 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 that's fairly standard. Yeah, that's yeah. fairly standard. See, it doesn't yeah. say data center, come on in or anything else. No. no, no. Like I say, unless you need to be in there, you're not going in there, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and even even more so now, even more so now with COVID, right? I yeah. mean, any non-essential stuff and not going in there, any non-essential supply visitors, just not not being let in the building. So, um, but things are still going on. As I say, everyone's everyone's still working. The centers are still running. We've still got our guys out there maintaining them and and, and uh, helping clients. So, yeah, we're delighted with that. Yeah, and besides COVID nineteen, what are the other challenges is affecting the Irish data center scene? I think, um, like Ireland's, obviously we've done very well through the main hyperscalers, and and the location as yeah. itself is sort of for hyperscale certainly was in preeminence in in Europe. Um, we have sort of a regional challenge in that the Nordics have started to expand and become a bit more um, proximate in, in data centers for these guys and you need we need to look at how to compete on, on a regional basis yeah. for, for new players coming in and I think that what I see a lot of and it sort of ties back to the to the green grid is obviously in in the Nordics they have a lot of renewables through uh, hydro mm -hmm. so in Ireland moving moving away and getting into a more renewable grid I think is the piece that that we need to be thinking about so if we can move towards that renewable grid and set up as a green island yeah that it, it just becomes more attractive to to the larger players right because sustainability and, and uh, the green agenda is huge for for these guys, most of the large hyperscalers, well, all of the large hyperscalers want to be sustainable and as green as possible. So if we can push out to get that green grid, then it should mean we can compete with those mm. new regions coming in a little bit more. Um, and that's happening now. And the things like the grid support, the DS3 services for frequency stability, all those things that will support that move to a 
to a, a more sustainable grid. Yeah. They're all in place and happening now. Um, and you will certainly start to hear a lot more uh, about that over the coming coming years, for sure. I would I would believe, yeah. And I guess that's probably what helps Ireland a great place uh, to be a place for, to have a day centre because of that. And also, the weather is very good too, as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, cli- the climate's the climate's good. It's, you know, the, the cooling requirements are pretty good in Ireland. So that sort of like when you have to think in in sort of two thousand and eight when you had had the hyperscalers first coming, why did they come? And certainly climate and the commercials are, are going to play into it. But I think also there's a, there's a strong sort of cultural link, right, between yeah. the States and, and Ireland. Um, if you're going to set up into a new region, culturally I, think, culturally, I think it was a very good fit. You had a, a country that commercially was attractive, had a good climate, culturally was, and also had a skilled labour force. Yeah. You know, you've got you've got a skill. Now we've we've talked about data centers not being labour intensive once they're running, but you know you still need a skilled labour force, a good a good education system. So Ireland had all those things, um, and I think now now the industry's expanded so much in Ireland. Um, there's sort of issues on labour shortages potentially, skilled labour shortages yeah. for data centres, but I think that's being addressed as well, really through yeah. the through the education system at universities. But it, it's just one one to keep an eye on. There's so much going on in Ireland at the moment, and indeed outside of Ireland through Irish companies. Yeah. Because of course, what you've had is you know because the hyperscale is set up in Ireland, you've had a number of contractors that that have worked on those initial projects. They've grown and grown. Their expertise in the industry has grown. And they're now exporting that expertise out of Ireland into the Nordics and into Benelux, you know, and into the Middle East, yeah. which is fantastic again for Ireland. These yeah. companies are just growing and growing and leveraging what they've done in Ireland. But again, all that takes takes skilled labour and guys that, that have experience in the industry. Yeah. So uh, we probably need to keep an eye on that one really yeah i remember years ago about 20 years ago boca raton in florida w- was well known for uh, being a day server center of, ma- of mainly spam and the area where they were in was a place that's very very prone to bad weather like hurricanes tornadoes and then they could hit them yeah in ireland you didn't get that but i never saw any guys decide we're going to build spam day centers in ireland it was yeah. good guys which was nice yeah yeah, it. Uh, yeah, you, I mean the climates. You know, you often sit back and think to yourself, "Would you want to live somewhere where it's really hot and then really cold?" You know, I have a family in Canada where in the summer it can be forty degrees yeah. and in winter it can be minus twenty. Or do you want the do you want the middle of the road? Well, the middle of the road works really well for for data centres. It allows you to plan plan the cooling around fairly tight limits yeah. and you know if you're if you're having to go to the extremes it can be more difficult for sure yeah and also guys if you're somebody who's, who's doing up an sla for data centers you uh for stored data you're going to make sure that that your data is stored somewhere that's climate is isn't too uh, hot or too cold yeah. and also you got to make sure as well that you're in a region that uh is not going to, to put a political regime change where leader suddenly goes and comes in and decides I'm going to nationalise all of the data centres. I'm going to take over. Yeah, all yeah. yeah. You need you need a stable environment yeah. for sure. You absolutely need a stable environment, and, and Ireland certainly provided that for for many years for the guys. So yeah, yeah. And I guess we're lucky. Early civil education because we're educated to a, to a very good level, and it's very easy to fly from. If you want to go to America to Ireland, 
very easy, easy to fly there. And in Ireland, we also have in Dublin, I think, Shannon, where you can do your, your customs check-in already at the airport. So when you land on the other side, you can breeze through, which helps a lot. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting. Like my, my first T2 wasn't built when I was initially coming to Ireland many years ago, and they started building T2. And like for all the time I'd come to Ireland, T1 was never busy. I'd look at it going, why are they spending this money on yeah. T2? Because there was never a queue through through weekly travels over three yeah. years. I never got held up at T1. Uh, but then you go there now and actually see, and again, it gets back planning out. You need to plan in advance for what you want to accomplish yeah. later on. And certainly now, if you didn't have T2, right? Yeah. It'd be, it'd be a horror show trying to get through T1. So it's just about planning in advance again, I guess. Because if I go through T1, I'm going to Ryanair. I've got a hell of a long walk to get to my terminal, to, 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 yeah. to my gate. Whereas in T2, that's never the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. T2's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, I think over the years that we've actually managed to slowly expand and we realised that we've got to expand our airports and find our builds, I think, a new, uh, a new uh, uh, terminal. They're looking at that as well in the long term and also to build in more landing strips as well. It's going to be interesting because right now we figure we don't have enough because in the future I think business is going to expand. But right now with COVID, we're not sure what's going to happen. No, I mean, we saw, we did some research last year just on on lease data centre space in Ireland, and they were talking about even that could triple from now to 2025, right? Just yeah. on lease data centre space in Ireland. So we, we don't see this stopping. You know, we yeah. certainly don't see this stopping, and, and I don't think any of the main providers see this stopping. You know, there's challenges on land and power, but they're being addressed. Mm -hmm. I mean, on the land issue, I think... I think what, what will happen, and it, it's already happening to a, to a degree, certainly one of the major cloud providers is already building outside of the sort of M50 zone yeah. north of Dublin. But this, this also has to happen, and at some point I would envisage some sort of move towards the Cork area where you've got the infrastructure from the old petrochem industries and things like that, and also you have a a workforce um, that's skilled. Potentially half yeah. of them are in Dublin already, right? Because they've yeah. come up from the data centre industry, but I know a lot of folks from the area that could potentially relocate down there. So I think there'll be a, a geographical spread outside of Dublin yeah. um, in, in the coming years. I, I, I think that has to happen, and that can only be a good thing as well. And obviously the planning laws after the, the Apple Athenrite thing had changed a little bit, so it yeah. should make that a little bit easier for, for planning to, to go ahead. I mean... Data centers get a bad rap, right? They yeah. they're, they're seen as this big big uh, big power user and nothing else. And, and I think the more that we can sell the the message that look, everything you do is depending on 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 data centers, you know. And the efficiencies that have been made in data centers over the last ten years have been huge. Computing power, you know, uninterruptible power supply technology has probably shaved ten. 10% more efficient in the last sort of 12 years. It's um, it's a message that probably needs to get out more rather than being seen as a standalone thing. And I know that a lot of the providers are working on that. Um, you know, the cloud providers have community programs, so I know they're going out into schools and, and talking about data centers and yeah. trying to suggest data centers as a possible career to children. And, uh, you know, I, I think that more community interaction that can be done should certainly get data centers seen in a better light as they should be because yeah. they've been a, a fantastic industry for Ireland and also without them 
a lot of the things that we take for granted now wouldn't be happening, you yeah, know. And right now we're doing more remote working, which is going to be a big part of our future. So because yeah. of that, we'll need more and more data centers to, to power this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If, if you just look at, you know, obviously COVID's been tough for everyone, but what it does do is show that you need capacity in data centers to provide the extra bandwidth for all the things that have been happening. I mean, I've never spent as much time on on video calls. There's been days where I've gone on a video call at eight o'clock and just gone on the next one, the next one, and three o'clock arrives and I'm just coming off a video call and there's tens of thousands of people working in that way right now that needs us to, to provide that that uh, data center capacity for them. So, and that's not going to change when COVID's gone, I don't think. I think the paradigm's moved a little bit. Yeah. And I don't think, I, I just... I don't see that, that there's an imperative for that travel to an office and back again as much as there were, and this has just been the issue that's highlighted that it, it, if it doesn't need doing, if you don't need to make that journey, don't make it. This can yeah. be done on, you know, on, on video call. You know. And thanks for, for uh, a great podcast for us, and uh, have a great day. No problem. Pleasure to speak to you, Ronan. Yeah, also, I love your guitars in the background. <laughs> Everyone says that, right? Yeah. I'm so, I always say I love them more when I've learned how to play them, Ronan. Yeah, I'm sitting there looking at the, the white, the white strat, and I'm thinking Jeff Beck with the one. <laughs> the, white, the white one's always the favourite. Yeah, I'm thinking <laughs> Jeff Beck or Hank Marvin. <laughs> All right, thanks for that. Have a great day and uh, take care. Thanks, Ronan. Thanks, bye, bye, Russ.